Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to. $100. Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with Rave. Review. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up Show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And 23 opponent preview series continues. We head to Nashville, Tennessee to talk the Vanderbilt Commodores and who better to help us break down all things Vandy than Billy Derrick, formerly of the Door Report and now of VandySports.com. Billy, first things first, was great to meet you in Nashville at SEC Media Days and congratulations on the promotion, my friend. What's going on? I appreciate it, Chris. It was, it was a blast to be with you at SEC Media Days. I feel like 
it was nice to have a guy like you to, you know, anytime, I don't know if I got bored, but anytime, Hey, I, I want to go have some fun. I'm going to go say what's up to Chris and just kind of, kind of talk shop and, and, and talk ball, man. It was, it was a blast to meet you and so many other people, um, SEC Mike. I mean, I, I can't even name all the people I got to meet. And so, and we talked about that. It's, it's a great opportunity for young aspiring content creators to just go and chop it up with whoever, you know, and most people there are nice enough to, to give you some of their time. So yeah, I mean, it, it was a blast and uh, you know, it, it was great to see you there. I know it was your first SEC media days. So uh, covering the Gamecocks and it's a content machine. It's kind of crazy what media days has turned into. Billy, before we go any further, I got to put you on the spot. Were you one of the eight that voted for <laughs> Vanderbilt to win the SEC East? I was not. A, you're about the eighth person to ask me that. Uh, Palmer Toms, who covers Georgia, asked me that. Um, no, I was not. And, do you honestly, have an idea of who those eight people are? You know, I don't even know. I was wondering that the other day. And, you know, my uh, I worked for George Plaster here in Nashville. He was asked if he was one of them, you know. And uh, my guess would be somebody there that was credentialed and wanted to make a joke and, and wanted to, hey – you know, tell some of their friends back home that, yeah, I was the one. And I think somebody came out on Twitter and said, here's why I picked Vandy. And I think that person, I forget his name, but I think he went on with Paul Feinbaum and, and, and explained himself. So Chris, and I went on a rant about this. I said, that that's a joke. That, that's ridiculous that Vanderbilt got five votes to win the SEC. I mean, that, that, that's, that's a joke. And, and I'm, I cover Vanderbilt. I, I've grown up in Nashville, you know, and, and I've been in Nashville my whole life. And I obviously, tend to favor Vanderbilt in respects, but I mean, that, that's ridiculous. Like that, that, that's a joke. Tennessee had five as well, which isn't a joke, but the fact that Vanderbilt had the same is, is ridiculous. So, uh, you know, I know we were both credentialed. We weren't the ones that did that, but at the same time, there were, there were five people that picked Vanderbilt to win the conference. And I think, what was it? Eight to, that picked Vanderbilt to win the East. So, I mean, it, that's a joke, Chris. I mean, it, it, both of us can, can agree on that, but no, I, I, Fortunately, was not the one that made that mistake. South Carolina got one vote to win the SEC, and I, I'd love to bring that guy on my show and just hear him out. Honestly, I really would. I really <laughs> would love to hear the explanation. Either way, let's talk Vanderbilt football on the field this season, Billy. Before we look at this season, though, let's quickly glance back at 2022. Five and seven, two and six in year two of Clark Lee, but a year in which you close out strong beating Kentucky and Florida late in the season. Just talk about the year that was, because Vanderbilt obviously overachieved, overachieved the expectations early on. I mean, you start early on, you know, with those big wins against Hawaii, Elon, beat Northern Illinois, but then a long stretch in the middle. With those wins late in the season against Kentucky and Florida, I feel like they show a lot of promise for the future for Clark Lee's program. It's funny you asked about last season, and, you know, I got to talk to Clark Lee about, you know, staring down a three and nine season. You know, that, that's what he told me. That, that was a direct quote from Clark Lee after that South Carolina loss, right? I know we, we previewed that game. And, you know, ahead of that game, we were both kind of, yeah, I, I don't know either way where this game's going to go. But, Chris, that, that South Carolina loss at home ended up being somewhat of a turning point. Clark Lee was hammered with questions about Dan Jackson, his uh, his one of his secondary coaches, about a fiasco with him uh, with a Facebook comment, and it got all political. So he was hammered with questions after that game, not just about the game, but about a, 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 an issue prior to that game. And and so you know you could tell it it, it had potentially started to weigh on, on Clark and his coaching staff. They had a bye week after South Carolina, 
and they figured some things out, Chris. They, they went on the road to Lexington and beat a top 25 Kentucky team, right, with obviously a banged-up Will Levis and a, and a weak offensive line. But that Kentucky – I mean, Mark Stoops has done a hell of a job up there. So to go up there and beat Kentucky was impressive. But, Chris, not only that, they turned around and beat Florida, a, a team that obviously had fallen on hard times down the stretch of the season. But to go back-to-back weeks beating two of – I mean, let's let's face it, top half teams, I think, at least talent-wise in the SEC, right? Kentucky's a team with a running back in Chris Rodriguez, talented receivers. Levis, I know he was banged up at Florida. Florida's Florida, right? Anytime you beat Florida, whether it's home or on the road. And Billy, that, to your point, a, a Florida team that had just dismantled South Carolina 38-6. to So, I mean, they were coming off of a high going into Nashville, yes. and Vandy did not care. And that's why I was – yeah, I, that's why I was so, so surprised about that result, right? I, I was surprised by the Kentucky result. But the Florida result was like, what in the world is happening? I mean, I I was there like, how is this happening? First time Vandy beat Florida at home since 1988. I don't even know who the president was. We weren't even a thought, Chris. I mean, like, so they made history last year with that Florida game. But then, of course, they turned around and get boat raced by Tennessee. But and and we talked about this at SEC Media Days. We kind of joked about it. No matter who Tennessee played after that South Carolina game, they were going to dismantle them. I mean, and, and I was glad you said that because I, I, and I was glad I wasn't the only one that thought that. And I mean, that, that's, that's kind of how a football season goes, Chris, right? It goes ebbs and flows. It's hard to string together, you know, several wins in the SEC. It just is. And it's and South Carolina knows that well, like last year, that Florida game was you know, as confusing as ever, but then they turn around and pick off Tennessee, uh, Tennessee and Clemson. So yeah, for this Vanderbilt team, Chris, that to beat two SEC teams, if you're Clark Lee in your second year, is massive. It just is. It's massive after what happened in Mason's last two years to turn around and uh, kind of accelerate the build. You know, I mean, they, like I said, he was staring down. He told me this. He was staring down a three and nine season, and he was not going to live with that. He just wasn't. So I think they just kept they kept grind they kept grinding and they, and they stayed on the attack. And uh, that's the culture, Chris. I mean, I, I think that their culture won those two games. And and you look at Florida and Kentucky's cultures. That might have lost them those two games, right? They kind of fell apart down the stretch, and I don't think you're going to see this Clark Lee program fall apart many times in, down the stretch of a season. So uh, I think you have to point to the culture. Uh, but year three, now you got some expectations. So that's uh, that's where you turn your attention. And Billy, you sort of just touched on. It. I wanted you to speak on Clark Lee going into his third year and just the overall vibe around him from the Vanderbilt fan base. I mean, listen, I heard him at SEC media days. And I loved everything Clark Lee had to say. I think he's a perfect fit for Vandy. You know, it's a tough job, obviously with challenges. We know that, but I just love the fact that he speaks saying that, you know, five and seven is not the standard. We want to be the best program in college football. And you know, some people will scoff and snicker, but like, that's how I want my leader to talk. You know, I, I will go into battle for that guy. So speaking on that culture that you mentioned again, the overall vibe around Clark Lee going into his third season, what's the mood around the Commodores head coach from the fan base? It's positive. I mean, the fans haven't had a coach like this to rally around since James Franklin. And I know Mason beat Tennessee three times in a row, uh, but Tennessee was really down, and, and Vanderbilt really never could totally rally around Coach Mason. I know he did a good job kind of the middle stretch of his tenure here, but, you know, he after that Tennessee, you know, win in, in 2016, they turned around and lost in the bowl game. He didn't win a bowl game uh, while he was at Vanderbilt. So, you know, you know this, Chris. He's a Nashville guy. He has built Vanderbilt to this point in his image and what he wants it to be and what he has always wanted 
a program to be when, when he's the head coach, right? Not not to mention bringing in Barton Simmons. I thought it was interesting. Clark talked a lot about the recruiting approach uh, from their staff. He talked about traits and measurables and you know, basically admitting that we're not going to attract the four and five star kids that everyone else is at this point in time. That's just we're not we're not there yet as a program. So they're looking for traits, measurables that NFL players have, and they're going to see how many NFL players they can develop within the next two, three years. So that's that's the, the approach they have they have attracted and they've attracted some some recruits. I think their 2024 class is a top 30, top 35 class right now, which is impressive. I mean, at Pandy, right, that, that, that's rare. So. But yeah, you, you talk about the you talk about the culture in some of his comments, Chris. When you think about Clark Lee, he's not sexy, right? He's not uh, he's he's not a Shane Beamer type of guy. He's not a um, he's not a Josh Heupel where he's going to stand up there and just you know have that bold swagger. He's gonna he's gonna kind of kill you with his ph- philosophical approach, right? He's a Vanderbilt graduate. It, it, I, I told this to Chris Lee when we recorded our first podcast together. I said, Chris, I learned something every time I, I, I listen to Clark Lee talk, whether it's a presser or at media days. And, you know, players like that, right? Fans like that in, in, in a coach where, you know, he's not just up there spewing bull crap. And coaches have done that before, right? I, I think we've seen coaches at SEC media days, you know, not to knock Lane Kiffin, but, you know, I, I think most fan bases would rather have a coach like a Clark Lee or even a Shane Beamer where they're up there and they're, I, I love what this guy's saying, as opposed to, you know, you're talking, you spend your whole session if they're talking about NIL. Now, again, nothing against Lane Kiffin. I, I agreed with a lot of what he said, but, you know, you, as a fan base, you probably want your coach to tell you about your team, tell you about the progress, the culture, the recruiting, all kinds of different stuff. So, yeah, Chris, I, I agree with everything you said, uh, but for Clark Lee, he realizes the challenge, right? He knows what he's in for. And, that's why he came to Vanderbilt for the challenge. And it's, it's it, year three is huge, man. I mean, I think we talked about this, Chris. It's, and Shane Beamer has probably has noticed this as well. When you create ex- expectations for your program, that's when it gets five, 10 times harder for, for you as a staff, for the players, for everybody. So you know, year three, it, it's going to keep, keep getting harder every year. Uh, and, and they start out this season similar to the way they did last year against Hawaii, but they get uh, the Rainbow Warriors at home. So, um, yeah, it, Clark Lee is 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 already beloved with this fan base. Now, there's there's the, the outliers that you know they'll they'll argue with every everything that he says, and and but every fan base has that. But at the end of the day, Chris, he's got this train moving in the right direction. And I think if you're a Vanderbilt fan, you got to be excited. Now, Billy, on the offensive side of the football, going into the 2023 season, AJ Swan returns as your QB one. You do lose Ray Davis at the transfer portal. He obviously went to Kentucky. Cedric Alexander and Chase Gillespie will look to fill that void in the backfield. Will Shepard leads the receiving corps, I think probably one of the most underrated players in the SEC simply because he's at Vanderbilt. You got three of five on the back on the offensive line. You're returning over 70 career starts, so there's some experience up front. And it's not necessarily an explosive group, at least it wasn't last year, but pretty fundamentally sound, not a group that really shoots themselves in the foot or makes mental errors or, you know, fundamental mistakes, if you will. So when you look at this Vanderbilt offense, what do you see? What do you expect the Commodores to be offensively this season? That's the question of the offseason, Chris. I mean, that's what every Vanderbilt fan is excited to see. Now, the good thing for this this offense is that you start out with some cupcakes, like, like most teams, right? I mean, you start out other than South Carolina, of course. Um, but... Hawaii, Alabama, A&M, Wake Forest, and UNLV, 
right? I mean, that, that's as manageable of a four-game non-conference slate for a young sophomore quarterback that you can ask for. Now, it gets tougher, but even the first two SEC games, Chris, Kentucky and Missouri at home, I mean, that, that's that's – I saw an article. Somebody wrote something that uh, Vanderbilt's going to start six and one. Here's why uh, on the season. Now, that's a that's a little bit of a stretch, but Chris, I, I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. So, but yeah, this offense. AJ Swan's a sophomore, right? He he had flashes last season where you go, this kid's got some talent, right? He's got an absolute cannon. He's not ath- he's athletic, but he's not a guy that's going to outrun uh, any defense. Um, but he's got to stay healthy, Chris. I mean, every quarterback struggles with that in the SEC, uh, other than maybe Alabama and Georgia. But, I mean, th- that's the big question every year. But he, he struggled with some head injuries last year. I think there were two separate hits where I think in that South Carolina game, he, that's when he went down with that concussion. And South Carolina, one of the better pass rushes uh, last year, um, you know, you can't have that, right? You have to find a way if you're Vanderbilt and that offensive coaching staff to protect him, give him – one or two more seconds, right? I mean, like that's that's what it comes down to a lot. So, Swan, there's high expectations and there's pressure, but they they like him a lot, Chris. They they that's why I mean that's part of the reason Mike Wright left, right? I mean, you got to believe that coaching staff said it straight to Mike Wright, like, you know, listen, we, AJ Swan is our guy. If you want to stay here and be the backup, you can. But at the end of the day, Swan is our guy. Uh, you know, we wish you well. Obviously, he went to Mississippi State, but. You go to that receiving core. Will Shepard, I think, is, a, is one of the more slept-on players in the SEC. Uh, I mean, he's a legit candidate to lead the conference in receiving, I think. Quincy Skinner is a guy that showed flashes. He scored that touchdown against South Carolina last year. Got it sort of out of nowhere uh, down the sideline. Great pass by Swan. Jay McGowan, though, is a guy I watch for. He's a sophomore speed demon. I mean, he, he showed up last year in the Ole Miss game. Uh, it was a quick little screen pass from A.J. Swan, and McGowan took it to the house. And it's like there, there were plays like that, Chris, from these young players, Swan, McGowan. Skinner, where you go, okay, you know, they, they might have something down the road, uh, but it all depends on the offensive line. They, they like their offensive line. You mentioned three or five starters back. That's always a good thing, right, no matter how good your offensive line was. You've got continuity there, so that's good. But at the end of the day, Chris, the biggest question, and I said this in our podcast with Danny Sports yesterday, the bottom line with this season is how do they protect A.J. Swan? And, and if he stays healthy the entire season and Vanderbilt makes a bowl game, more power, right? I mean, that, that, but that is so rare, for, especially for a We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sophomore quarterback. Uh, he's talented, but he's inexperienced still, right? And, and so I, I just think if you're Vanderbilt, you've got to do everything you can to keep him healthy. But for AJ, he's also going to find some consistency, right? And, and at last year, he showed the flashes. 
but he also had some some weak moments, like every freshman quarterback. So, uh, Chris, he's a sophomore, but, again, this coaching staff is confident in him, and they're going to give him every opportunity. But they've also got a backup right behind him in Ken Seals that they also like. He's been there forever, um, and he knows the offense. So I think cautiously optimistic, right? You mentioned the running back. Cedric Alexander is a guy who's a freshman, uh, looked great in fall camp, and they've got a couple other veterans behind him. Uh, that's another question. Uh, so there's some questions to be answered, but there's enough – uh, there's enough proven depth there that I think this offense can do some things. Now, switching sides of the football, Billy, the defensive side, you get a big boost off the edge as Miles Capers returns after suffering a season-ending injury in preseason camp last year. Yelwan Otawara, I don't know if I butchered that name, but I'm trying. Yeah, that's to a tough one. Yeah, I think it's – I think – what is it? It's uh, Otaha, I think. Uh, and then I think the first name somehow is pronounced Isa. I don't know how, but it is. Okay, well, anyways, you got a pair of good ones <laughs> manning the interior defensive line. He and Devin Lee as well. Uh, C.J. Taylor, a guy that's been talked about a lot in the preseason, looks to be a nice piece in the middle. Who replaces Anferni Orgy in the middle of that defense? That is a huge question for Vandy. B.J. Anderson, Jalen Mahoney, and Ricky Wright all return in the secondary. And it's a secondary, though. A lot of room for improvement. Allowed 8.7 yards per pass attempt last season, which was at the bottom of college football. So, what are you expecting? Of course, Clark Lee is a defensive-minded guy. What are we expecting from the Commodores' defense in 2023? Well, I mean, improvement, but how much, right? I think that that's the question. Uh, in terms of the front seven, I think they'll be improved. You mentioned Miles Capers. He'll be back. Uh, they picked up a guy in Aeneas DeCosmo from Stanford uh, who, who they like. Uh, but you know, I think the middle of the defense is the strength, the linebacker core with – Kane Patterson, a transfer from Clemson. Prince Colley, who just came in, a transfer from Notre Dame. Ethan Barr, a guy who's been there forever. And I actually just tweeted about their linebacker group, Chris. I think that that could be one of the more slept-on groups in the SEC just because of the proven depth, right? You, you've had guys, even though you lost Anthony Orgy, you had guys that that have played there. And, and Clark Lee, he was the linebacker's coach at Notre Dame. So it's kind of like the Josh Heupel effect at quarterback, right? No matter who Clark Lee has at linebacker, they're going to be strong at that position group. Uh, and then you go to the back end, Chris. They like what they have at safety and Jalen Mahoney and Derricky Wright, but at the cornerback position, and, and we saw it, it was on display in that South Carolina game. I, I've told a lot of people this. That's when I realized I was at that game, and that's when I realized, man, South Carolina is just destroying Vanderbilt on the boundaries. That, that, that's what they did. They Shane Beamer and the, and the offensive staff said, hey, we're going to look at Vanderbilt's weakness. What's their weakness? They said the boundary, right? The cornerback position, slot corner. We're going to throw – I mean, I can't tell you how many bubble screens, you know, that South Carolina was able to throw. Credit to them, right? That's, Van, that's Vanderbilt's Achilles heel. So, I, can't, I think they can alleviate that, Chris, but, but what difference does that make, right? Right? How, like, how fast can you get in a year? How – I mean, so there's only – I think – to a degree, there's only so much you can do right now just because of the you're so devoid of talent and, and experience. I guess you've got a little bit more experience. Uh, but, Chris, at the bottom line, Vanderbilt has has typically been pretty weak at corner. Uh, but I like some of the young guys they've got. So And they're going to have to rely on some of those young guys. Martel Height, a freshman coming in. Uh, they like Trudell Berry, a sophomore. So I think for Clark Lee, you're probably two years away from having corners that you're excited about. Right now, they've got those young guys in place, but they haven't played. Right, they 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 haven't been on the field. So, and this is this is a problem that most college football programs have nowadays because of the high 
uh, you know, passing rates. I mean, everybody's throwing the ball the majority of the time now, right? There's no, there's really no more power running teams left in college football and even in the NFL. So this is an issue for everybody, but because Vanderbilt is so devoid of talent at that position, it's just, it's, it's tough. So uh, again, they like their safety position, but the cornerback position remains a weakness. And I think they'll improve, be improved on the front seven, but a big key this year, Chris, on the defense is going to be how much pressure can they get on the quarterback. And I think you actually asked this to Clark Lee in his press conference. And I thought it was one of the better questions that that was asked and Clark Lee answered it and said, yeah, like we, we have to get pressure with four. Right. We, we, we can't like to say there's a play, you only get two or three guys that, that get to the quarterback. You're screwed on the outside. And Clark Lee knows that he's a defensive guru. So he knows they've got to get pressure with four. If they can, that makes the job a little bit easier on the corners, as you know. So, um, the corner a lot, like a lot of last season, Chris, the weakness at corner was a lot due in large part to the lack of pressure and the lack of, uh, of attention on the quarterback. So again, there's a lot of pressure on the front seven, but there's even more pressure on the cornerbacks. And that to me is another big question this year. Talking Vanderbilt football with Billy Derrick of AndySports.com. Let's move to the special teams. Matthew Hayball back at punter, 45.4 yards per punt last season. One of the better punters in college football. There's a battle at kicker taking place between Brock Taylor and Will Ferris, and you get McGowan and Shepard back to man the return game. Anything Billy stand out in regards to Commodore's special teams going into this season? Yeah, Matthew Hayball, I don't know if you've seen him at all, Chris, but I, I mean – and again, I know I've made some some bold statements today, but I, I think he's one of the best in the country. I, and and I like people have told me that on the Vanderbilt staff and, and other uh, people that cover Vanderbilt, they've said you know, like in practice, and I've seen him punt in practice and in games, and it, it's pretty crazy. Like the directional style, he's he's a new he's a modern age punter uh, with, with some of the directional punts he can do. So he's the strength of special teams. I mean, he was he's a weapon last year. I think. He for, I don't I don't know if you if you get credit as a punter for a muff punt, but I mean their special teams unit did calls that muff punt in the Florida game uh, that that ended up Vanderbilt scored a touchdown on and proved to be huge. So uh, Justin Lustig is one of the better I think special teams coordinators in the in the in the SEC. He came from Syracuse. He was always ranked high in in uh, in, in that category uh, up in uh, in the ACC. And you look this year the weakness in the special teams is, is the kicking position. Like you said, right. You lose Joseph Bullivis who was inconsistent last year, but he was a guy that at least you could rely on for the shorter field goals this year. It's, it's a three-way battle. At least it looks like to me, Will Ferris, uh, I think a walk-on that uh, has been in the program for a while. They got a transfer from Kansas who was banged up last year, Jacob Borsilla, who of course, I mean, came from a, a decent Kansas program, went to a bowl game last year. And then the freshman Brock Taylor, like you mentioned, from Knoxville. They stole uh, away from uh, from Knox Catholic out there on the east side of Tennessee. So, you know, I think they like what they've got there. But, the, again, it, like many positions at Vanderbilt, they're just inexperienced, right? You haven't seen them do it on the field. So, uh, but, yeah, return game, I think they like what they've got there. Will Shepard has been the punt returner, uh, re- receiver, sure-handed guy. I don't think he really struggled last year. And then Jay McGowan on the kickoff. So we, I talked about him in the receiving room. So, you know, I think they like what they've got. They've got a really good coordinator and Justin Lusty, who's also the tight ends coach. So, you know, it, it's similar to the Beamer ball effect, Chris. Like when you've got a unit like that, that you can really rely on and honestly win you some games. Like I think that special teams unit should be given credit for that Florida game, right? I mean, they, I don't know. It, it might have just been like Florida just screwed that up. Like they just muffed the punt. But again, you got to get some credit, right? I mean, you pause them off, muff punt and you ended up scoring a touchdown on it. So I, I think. And you know this well with, with the Beamer ball special team stuff. Like w- when you can do that with your special teams unit, it's such a weapon. And I think Vanderbilt can with their punter, kicker. 
I think the hope for this staff is that the kicking game doesn't cost them any games, right? <laughs> Down the stretch, you know, you need a field goal to win it. Can you – do you have confidence in that guy? They don't know. I don't think they know who the guy will be. My gut will tell me uh, uh, Borsilla, Jacob Borsilla from Kansas. He's He kicked decently well when he was in the game last year for Kansas. And then maybe down the stretch, Brock Taylor's a guy that comes in and proves himself. But, um, but yeah, there, there's not as many questions as special teams heading into the season, which I think is good for Vanderbilt. So you look at the overall outlook, Billy, for Vanderbilt. Ten starters are back on this team, six on the offensive side, four on the defensive side. My question, Billy, is this. Can Vanderbilt make a bowl game in year three of Clark Lee? When you take a look at that 2023 schedule, the way it sets up, you mentioned the beginning, Hawaii at home, Alabama A&M at Wake Forest, at UNLV, out the gate, that being uh, in the month of September, those first couple of games. And, of course, we know Vandy opens up week zero against mm-hmm. the Rainbow Warriors. So a very friendly start to the schedule in the non-conference. You then jump into SEC play. You've got Kentucky, Mizzou, at Florida, Georgia. You get your bye week. Then you go to Ole Miss, Auburn, at South Carolina, really late in the season, another bye week and then at Tennessee to close out the season. So how do you feel the 2023 schedule shakes out for Vandy, and what are the expectations for the Commodores in year three of Clark Lee? Well, first off, I don't think Clark is happy about playing in week zero. I think he'll be ready to get out of the Mason scheduling um, idea there of playing week zero. I don't know why anyone would really want to play in week zero. <laughs> uh, I mean, you start camp earlier. It's it's Now, I think you're playing Hawaii, so again, it probably won't matter, but – Season starts earlier. You, know, you got to start fall camp earlier. We were just talking about that before we got on. Vanderbilt starts Wednesday, and South Carolina starts, I think, next Friday. So, um, you know, that's a big difference. Uh, so you got to get after it a little bit quicker, get used to, you know, the offensive installs. But in terms of the rest of the schedule, I said this earlier, the first four games are about as manageable as you could ask for, especially for a young quarterback in A.J. Swan. At Wake Forest, to me, Chris, for that first half of the season is massive, right? If you can go up to Winston-Salem – and beat Wake Forest, a proven program, good program, right? I mean, we no Sam Hartman, though, no A.T. Perry. So when, if you're Vanderbilt, you can go up there. That's a 10 a.m. kickoff. I don't know if you knew that, but that's a 10 a.m. kickoff really? up there. Yeah, I'm actually going to try to get up there. Um, so I, I got to leave Friday, I guess. So. Um, but, yeah, so first half, I, I think it's manageable, Chris. Um, Kentucky, Missouri, and Florida are three huge, huge games, toss-up games, I think most people would say right in the middle of the schedule. Georgia and Ole Miss, obviously tough. And then South Carolina, obviously tough. But Auburn is sandwiched in between those. So that Auburn game, I, like the two biggest games for me, Chris, at Wake Forest, September the 9th, and then Auburn at home, homecoming, uh, I think family day, they've got a lot going on, November uh, the 4th. So that, to me, those two games, Wake and Auburn, are the games if you're Vanderbilt, I don't think you can let slip away. But if you do – You've still got Kentucky, Missouri, and Florida, right? I think three more toss-up games that you can try to pick off. So, again, I think it sets up well, right? I, I think, and, and you ask, can they make a bowl game? Yes, I think they can. But if they don't, I don't think that means they, they didn't improve, right? And I know, you know, we can look back at, at this season, and if they go five and seven, you look back at that three years from now and say, okay, yeah, they didn't, they didn't improve in the win column. But they, I mean, they looked different on the field. And if they would have made one more play, they might have made a bowl game. So it depends on how it happens, right? I mean, you could go six and six, get lucky for a couple of games, and people would say, oh, that's a fluky bowl appearance. But then go win your bowl. So there's a lot. I say there's a lot riding on the season. I, I say that tongue in cheek, but 
in terms of the recruiting acceleration, right? You can really accelerate recruiting, especially in the mid state, especially in the South. If you find a way to get to a bowl game, they've said coaching staff, this Vanderbilt coaching staff has said they've got their eyes set on postseason play. And I, I think that's important, right? To have your coaching staff preaching that all season, all preseason, we've got our eyes set on postseason play. That's huge. I think they can do it. Will they? I don't know, but they certainly can, Chris. Now, Billy, looking specifically at the game against South Carolina, I'll ask you this. 14 straight losses to the Gamecocks. <laughs> what is the outlook of Vanderbilt fans and those who follow the program, cover the program? What's the outlook around this game? Because it feels like South Carolina, it, it doesn't matter how good South Carolina is, bad South Carolina is, in between, the Gamecocks find a way to beat Vandy. Let me ask you this. Do Vandy folks see a light at the end of the tunnel? Do they feel like snapping the streak is potentially near? Uh, that's hard to say yes to that, Chris. It's just Vanderbilt fans hate this matchup. They, they just do. And, you know, there's every every fan base has a matchup that they just they can't stand playing that team, whether it's the coach, their playing style, Beamer ball, whatever. Um, but it just is what it is. Like Vanderbilt fans cannot stand – uh, that matchup every year. I mean, I think a big part of it was two years ago. You you lost to a, an, was he equipment manager? I mean, what was he even a doing? Graduate assistant Zeb Nolan. Yes, Zeb, I mean, like that. That's the definition of the South Carolina Vanderbilt rivalry. You had a graduate assistant step in and beat you, and and drove march down the field like that. And in quite frankly, not a very good South Carolina team, and not a very good Vanderbilt team either. But um, that that's just it is what it is. Um, that. Now, I, I do – it's on the road, and I, I think if I had to say something, this Clark Lee program has played – has fared better on the road. Um, I, I think they like that chip on their shoulder, the, the crowd. I think a lot of teams play better on the road, especially if you're Vanderbilt, you don't have an imposing presence at home. Um, so, I think they like playing on the road, but, Chris, I, I'll believe when I see it, man. 2008 was the last time, and I don't even really remember that that win. <laughs> I think that's the last year Vanderbilt beat Kentucky so or South Carolina. So, uh, But, yeah, again, I, it's not there, – there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but I, I'm not – like I said, I'll believe when I see it. I'm not convinced Vanderbilt uh, will, will beat South Carolina. Yeah, Billy, it's funny. I, I warn Gamecock fans every single year coming into every single season. I say, folks – South Carolina is going to lose to Vandy at some point. Not everything lasts <laughs> forever, but I tell you this, I will not be the one who is bold enough to pick it in the preseason until it happens to your <laughs> point. So anyways, Billy Derrick, VandySports.com. Billy, appreciate you taking the time. Let everyone know where specifically they can check out all your work. Yeah, appreciate it, Chris. Uh, it's always fun, man. And again, it was great to see you uh, here in Nashville, my hometown at SEC Media Days. But but yeah, on Twitter, at Billy Derrick 10 and then uh, – Facebook, Instagram too, but I don't put a ton of content out there. YouTube, uh, search bandysports.com. You know, we've got a ton of content rolling out. We had a fall camp preview uh, yesterday. We've got a lot of recruiting stuff that I think Vanderbilt fans will like. Uh, and, and like you, Chris, we'll do, uh, we'll, we'll do game previews every week. So when the South Carolina game comes, I'll be having you on. So, so I think it's an avenue for South Carolina fans to, uh, to also come on when Vanderbilt plays South Carolina and learn about the opponent. Uh, and also have some fun, man. So, again, it's always fun to chop it up. Billy Derek 10 on Twitter. Uh, and follow VandySports.com. Again, I don't think there's any Vandy fans um, that are also South Carolina fans. But um, you never know, man. You never know. So, uh, to Vanderbilt fans listening, subscribe, VandySports.com. And, uh, you know, we've, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be like you, Chris. I'm trying to put out as much content as, as possible, man. And, uh, again, I appreciate for the opportunity. Billy, I appreciate you, man. Looking forward to chatting with you during the season.
Let's do it, brother. Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.